Welcome to Spinning Back Click, where each week here at MMA Junkie, we take a spin through the biggest stories in MMA. On this week's docket, we have a welterweight palooza this weekend in Las Vegas, and we have Ferg versus the baddie. And since this won't be the last time I utter this word in the next 60 seconds, welterweights, 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 holy cow, what a weekend. Gorgeous George here on the con, and look at the distinguished panel we have for you today. Sin City and Cairo representing. We got Goes from MMA Junkie Radio. He's here in Las Vegas. He's the creator of SBC. It's his fault we tie up your Mondays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. On my personal Mount Rushmore of guys who can break down fights, it's the fight analyst, Dan Tom. Check out his Protect Your Neck podcast. It is excellent. And rounding out the cast, it's Fada Hanoon, our overseas standout reporter, one of the best in the business. Cold coffee's on the ones and twos. We got five great topics. Let's dig in. All right, so this weekend at UFC 296, we have a stellar main event lined up. Leon Edwards defends his welterweight title versus Colby Covington. The champ has said in pre-fight interviews that he's interested in moving up to middleweight to fight for a second title. And in addition, he's also mentioned wanting to break GSP's welterweight record of nine straight title defenses. Which scenario is more likely for him? I don't think I have to fill in the blank. I mean here, him winning, not just moving up, but winning the title or these nine straight title defenses. Body, you're going to lead things off. Which is more likely, I would probably say winning the middleweight title just because it's so hard. We've seen it it, over past years how difficult it is to notch so many title defenses. But I'd prefer it if he just uh, stuck to welterweight. I think there are too many exciting challenges out there for him. And I think Saturday proves that. UFC 296, like you said, is a welterweight palooza. So uh, we've got so many guys chomping at the bit from Bilal Muhammad, who's uh, been the number one contender for a while. We've got undefeated Shafkat Rahmanov taking on Wonderboy. We've got Ian Gary rising up the ranks. He's also undefeated. Uh, there's just too much going out, uh, going on at welterweight for me to be interested in Leon. And plus, when you look at the middleweight title fight between Strickland and Duplessis, there's no backstory there. There's nothing really. And Leon isn't exactly somebody who's going to try and sell a fight like crazy. So uh, considering that he's got a bit of a backstory with the Ian Gary right now, the whole Team Renegade thing. You've got Bilal, who he's already fought. That's the only kind of blemish or, let's say, asterisk uh, on, on Bilal's resume, that no contest, inadverted eye poke. Uh, there's just so much going on in the division uh, for Leon to go up to middleweight. So which was more realistic? I would say probably winning uh, the middleweight title just because notching that many title defenses is no easy thing. Uh, but I would much rather him stick to 170 pounds. I like it. Fada actually says, "Nah, I'm not even interested in that. In uh, that A side of of, uh, of of choices here, I'm with you, Fada. It's getting a little old hearing every champ talk about that angle. All right, next up is goes. How about you? Which is the most likely scenario there? Him moving up to middleweight at this point in time? It is Sean Strickland. Three months ago, it would have been Israel Adesanya. Eight months ago, it would have been Alex Fajeda. It's been a revolving door over there uh, at 185 pounds or uh, another eight title defenses. He's got one already against Kamar Usman. That might even be the toughest one. It's already out of the way. What do you think? Man, you guys are evil geniuses over there coming up with this type of question because Farah's is right. Like, I'm kind of with her in the sense that I'd rather him do welterweight, stay there and try and do that. But the chances of that happening are very slim. Um, so I have to go with moving up to middleweight and winning a title, although even that is just so hard to uh, to envision something like that happening, right? Like, I don't know about you guys, but I have a lot of questions still about Leon Edwards, and none of them are about whether or not he's a good fighter. We know that he's a good fighter. It's whether he is great. And to accomplish both of these feats, you have to be great. And so, uh, like, you think about what GSP did, like that is just so hard to match, especially with the the landscape of this division, the way people are. And I know a lot of people are going to say, look, he's already got two wins over Kamara Usman, but that doesn't always equate to, to things. Like if you think about it, Dennis Hallman, he had two wins over Matt Hughes and that, you know, we're not talking about him being one of the goats of the welterweight division. So it doesn't always work that way. I have all these questions and I feel like at the end of the day, it does always come down to title defenses and that's what you should be looking to do amount title defenses and so at this point you got a guy like colby covington that's a true test right there that's a great matchup 
I want to see what's going to happen there. And I think that's going to tell us a lot about what we have in Leon Edwards. If he's a guy that you feel like is going to run through everybody at welterweight, or if he's a guy like you feel maybe needs to challenge himself by going up to, to middleweight. But even if you go up to middleweight, like when's the last time we heard anybody talking about middleweight and saying, what are we going to do now? There's this bare cabinet over here. Like there's madness going on at middleweight too. So if I had to pick one guys, it would be the middleweight run, but I think both of them are very difficult to pull off. Two solid takes. And how about cold coffee spot on with the B-roll? That alone deserves likes right out of the gate. Come on, Anis. Give us some likes. Let's get this thing popping. We still got Dan Tom. We got to hear from him. What do you think, Dan Tom? Moving up or eight more title defenses? Which one's the more likely? Well, to start this fight, I want to test out my Mario Yamasaki broadcast superpowers, see if this still works. Are we getting hearts here? No? No? I don't know. Maybe it's got to be the four square. But, oh, there it is. We got the hearts, baby. All right. Now the fight can go underway. Honestly, there's not much to fight, though. I really did like the takes. I do think that I agree with with Fada that, you know, it's more likely that we're going to see a – uh, 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 him have a middleweight shot, then we see him, you know, uh, complete a nine, you know, title defense task there. Uh, that being said, I think the only reason why that that is an option is because of the, you know, double champ craze um, that I know will get credited from McGregor. DC did it after Amanda Nunez, so on and so forth, as it's become the trend. And because of that, now we're kind of talking about it, right? So even though it kind of doesn't make sense, I think that, you know, these things are kind of, you know, it goes to show, right, that these things are kind of permanently interjected um i will last note i will say in agreement that he should stick to welterweight is that another point is that people haven't really been talking about this but welterweight's been pretty pretty weak lately folks it's it's you know since the pandemic it's kind of gone through a really quiet you know in need of new blood um it, it, you know outside from the very top it's even barely holding on to its wrestle weight kind of title right so it's a real important title fight this weekend and i think that uh edwards has a ton of ties to the division still Love it. All right. And I got an interesting comment through the chat. And folks, if you want to submit them, I'll try and get to them. The more interesting, the better, the more likely it is to be included on the show. This one's good. So first, me, Diamond 44 starts off by saying Leon Edwards, Leon Edwards is doing neither of these things. All right. Hey, you know what? It is tough to be a champ champ and to rattle off nine title defenses. So you're not really, you know, you're not crazy in saying that. But he did say something different. He says, can I pose a question for the panel? Yep. Here we go. Over or under? Four title defenses for Leon Edwards. I think that's a hell of a question. That's a great question because remember, Usman got the five. This guy did beat Usman, but Usman, I mean, I think he won like 15 straight. Like he was pretty special. Are we there with Leon Edwards? That might have just been a matchup thing. Fada, what do you think about that one? It's tough because it depends who he fights, right? I mean, if you look at Kamar Usman not taking anything away, obviously it was an incredible run, but he fought Colby twice. He fought Jorge Masvidal twice. So I think it kind of depends on who Leon ends up fighting, if he can get past Colby Covington. So it's a little bit tough to tell. He definitely has the skills, and he's shown that. Uh, arguably the best kickboxer uh, in the division and has shown off uh, uh, perfect there. Uh, some of his grappling as well, uh, whether defensively or offensively. So I do think he has the skills, but it's going to depend on who he fights. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's some killers there, and I don't want to spoil a future topic question, but there are some killers on the horizon. What do you think goes for title defenses? You taking the over or the under? You're a gambling guy. That's really, really, really tough. And I respect me, Diamond44. He's a a veteran in our chat. I'm going to have to say under, and it's not really so much of a a knock on Leon Edwards. I feel like you can almost do that across the board in any division just because this is just difficult to do, to have these types of winning streaks when you have the bell, these title defenses. But I, I, I do wish he asked this question after the Colby Covington fight because that fight I feel like is going to tell us so much about where Leon is at, because we are just kind of used to seeing him fight Kamaru Usman, right? So I think uh, I think I'm going to go under, but I wouldn't be shocked, man, if just all of a sudden this is his time and and he he turns things around and really proves us all wrong. Can okay. I jump in? Sorry, because I want to take yeah. something back. I called him the best kickboxer. Sorry, Wonderboy Thompson is the best kickboxer. I should say more, one of the more well-rounded probably fighters is probably what I should have said better. I still think Wonderboy is number one in terms Thought of that, I got so. a text from Simpsonville, South Carolina. <laughs> what you talking about, girl? All right, Dan, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I basically – I think the Vegas would lie in the under uh, as chalk, as your favorite, and that's where I would be. I'd be with goes there. Um, you know, as far as that goes, it really just depends on when Shavkat Rakhmanov gets plugged in, you know, 
I, I think Bilal is un, undeniable, you know, uh, it, it, to, to be number one. You know, we, we, we've kind of seen parts of that matchup. I know it ended with some controversy. You know, there's Steven Thompson. Definitely respect to these guys, but I feel like uh, Shavkat is the uh, is the one to spoil, spoil the party in that scenario for me. Mm-hmm. All right. Good stuff, guys. Will in the chat room, he's taking the under. Uh, and Robot in the chat room says, Colby will beat Leon like Marav did to Peter Jan. What are the odds? All right, Robot, I got them for you. Uh, the odds on this fight, they're, you know, they're spread around or whatever. Uh, but according to BetMGM, Leon Edwards is minus 150 and Colby Covington is plus 125. So if you're an underdog player, this one might be right up your alley. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, in MMA, I think we call this pretty close to a pick em. So enjoy the fights is all I can say. And we're going to move on to uh, another topic. No, you know what? I did want to ask you guys something. Would Leon be this interested, guys, if Poatan was still champ? I don't want to say <laughs> Izzy because Strickland just pounded Izzy, right? right? And, of course, I don't know if Leon thinks, you know, Strickland's not the biggest middleweight in the world, but we got to give Strickland his respect because he just did a number on Izzy. So I'm just going to go to Poatan, who everyone says, 6'6", six, six, so imposing. Would Leon be as interested in, in these pre-fight interviews uh, if, if Poatan was still the middleweight champ. What do you think, Pada? He's he's so massive. But I think everyone's <laughs> eyes light up when it comes to Pajeda because of the kind of the gaping hole in his grappling. But it's really not that easy to fight him. I think a lot of people look at him stylistically on paper and think that they're going to easily uh, beat him or have an easy path to victory against him. But it's really not that easy to fight him. And I know the grappling needs some work, but he's still like, so so dangerous so i don't know but again it just goes back to the whole backstory thing i was seeing like it's such a random fight that i wouldn't have even thought about you know what i mean so it's just it's one of those things that's the issue i have right now with the whole middleweight thing is just i'm not seeing any real uh connection now if hamza chemayev became champion then we can talk about their previously canceled bout because they were both uh, at welterweight but outside of that i don't know it's just it it all seems so random for me girls what do you think man would he be calling out Poatan if he was still middleweight champ no way. I don't think so. It's no disrespect to Leon Edwards, but just if you look at them standing in front of each other, I, I don't think uh, I think it'd be a good idea. What do you think, Dan? You you break down fights. You know, these conflicts, a lot of them just have to do with a style matchup. Is there even like an entertaining take to uh, Leon Edwards having a path to victory against a big guy like that? Listen, I'm a Leon Edwards fan, but uh, it's no secret that, by the way, Silver Linings, I got to stop it and smell the roses, right? Two of my favorite fighters personally are champions right now, which is awesome, Pantoja and Poetan. So that's awesome. But yeah, if Poetan was still the champ at 185, I don't I don't think that would be happening. And just to kind of hammer Farah's point home and hammer the point home as far as Leon going up to 185, to quote the big Lebowski, Walter, face it, there is no connection to Vietnam here. <laughs> All right. Uh, Will says he's putting 2K on Colby money line. All right. Uh, show us the ticket. You know, no disrespect or whatever, but anyone can just say that. Anyway, let's talk about the other party in the main event. We kind of already have, right? The challenge of Colby Chaos Covington. As you know, at one point, he did wear gold around his waist when he won the interim welterweight title. But this will be his third crack at the undisputed title. Is this do or die for Covington in terms of becoming an undisputed champion? Goes, what do you think? Mm, I think we could be close, but I don't think we're all the way there. Colby's a controversial guy. He knows how to build the fight. So I don't think he's ever completely out of the picture. And it seems like uh, I just feel like, you know, if you look at his career, he seems pretty down to fight. I mean, I know that it's been a minute um, now, but mostly you can't really say there's like people that he's ran away from or anything like that. I think if he loses the fight, he's just got a couple lives that he can kind of uh, you know, stand back and say, hey, look, uh, it was the layoff, guys. I had a little bit of rust or whatever. And like I said, like, it's easy to promote Colby Covington. Whoever you put in front of him next, he's going to have a problem with. They're going to go at it back and forth at a press conference, and we're going to be interested in watching him. And I think that's the thing that the UFC is always interested in is they want people to be excited for these matchups. And Colby Covington makes you that way. Now, it's not always for the right reasons, right? But we don't care. You know, half of the people want to see him get smashed. Other people like him, but I think he can kind of generate that interest. So mainly, I think the only the only person he's really fighting is Father Time, right? That that's the big thing. Could he be undisputed again? I 
think maybe he would have one more run, but maintaining it, that's one where I think you got to shut the door. I don't think something like that could happen. Goes, you talking about heated matchups are still left for him? Um, because Masvidal, he's retired, and Usman, we've already seen that dance a couple times, and mm-hmm. Leon Edwards would be the guy that we're talking about in this matchup who, you know, he refers to as Leon Scott or whatever. So <laughs> are, are there still heated matchups? He creates him, them, or? George. He creates them. They're never really heated. Like I mean, aside from Masvidal, uh, he just creates them. That That's the brilliance of Colby okay. Covington, and I think that's what a promoter wants, right? Yeah. He's definitely been um, – the the you got you have to go through Colby Covington. I don't like to use gatekeeper too often because it pisses off some fighters. But I don't I, I don't mean it as a disrespect. It just means that basically to get through Camaro, you had to get through Colby, and nobody really did. That's why Colby got those multiple shots, and he did very well in those fights. By the way, um, I think he's a live dog. Although Bone Bonehard <laughs> in the chat room is telling Will goodbye to your two K. All right, uh, nice one. Uh, Dan, Tom, what do you think, man? Colby Covington, is this do or die for him? Hey, I just will say to the 2K better, for what it's worth, Colby did open up as the favorite, like a decent favorite, which is kind of surprising to me way back in March. Neither here nor there. The line flipped. As far as the question goes, I do believe it is do or die. I know that stat everybody loves to throw around uh, for 35 uh, and under. Uh, or an over, I should say, for the success rate dropping off. But I believe that's also under 170. Colby is right at 35. This fight is at 170. So it's kind of on the cusp in more ways than one to kind of, you know, revert back to what Goes has been preaching this show. I think he's correct. I mean, it's really an important fight kind of, you know, for both guys really to see where they're both at here. But I do think it is do or die for Colby as far as winning, uh, fighting, and definitely winning a title goes. Okay. Uh, you know, there was one thing that I thought one of you might bring up, and that's, I don't know, am I crazy? Does Colby have a 155 option? He's talked about it in the past, but he is older. But I don't want to steal the thunder. I'll give credit to Will, who's not shy about using the comment section. Uh, he says Colby versus Dustin, and I thought, hey, that's not bad. That's not bad. We want to rehash something. I think it would get Dustin out of bed. You know, he only wants the big fights, the one that really, really get him going and to smash a former teammate that might get him going fire you look like you're excited to jump in on this one yeah i was gonna say it could be most likely do or die for him in terms of uh title fights if he loses it also depends on how he loses because if it's one of those super close fights then colby's name is always going to be linked to big fights i mean i've heard him multiple times in interviews talk about how he's accepted to fight all these guys and they won't fight him now obviously we're not going to know the exact truth of what goes down behind the scenes but uh the Dustin fight is out there. That's a big fight. So he might not be involved in welterweight title fights anymore if he loses, but I wouldn't be surprised if he gets thrown into a BMF title fight. So does that count as a title fight? If it does, Colby Covington could be a part of that. At the end of the day, a lot of guys want to fight him. A lot of guys want to get their hands on him and he knows how to sell a fight. He has a big name. So I still think he'll be as relevant as he was regardless of the outcome. But in terms of the welterweight title fight, I think it depends. If he does lose, it's going to depend how he loses. If it's a super close fight, then I wouldn't completely rule it out just because he's going to be a big name that a lot of people are going to want to fight regardless of who's champion. You know, I was just thinking as you were talking about all the beefs he's had over the years, it's like that Brazil thing is way in our rear view mirror, you know, but Mm -hmm. uh, for a long time, the whole country was pissed at the guy. But Anyway, goes Gilbert Burns, Colby Covington. Does that interest you, or is that is that ship sailed? You know, like the no. Brazilian and the Colby tie-in. No, no, that, that'll always interest me. I think another thing that um, you know we bring up a lot, and some people will fist bump and say it could happen. Other people say no. But you know, when you think about like being under that same umbrella with WWE, I'm sure they kind of exchange information. If you look at WWE, man, they got a belt for everything, right? I just feel like one day the 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 UFC is going to introduce a new weight class, and if it's in between 155 and 170, then you could start talking about Colby Covington and guys like Dustin Poirier, right? Something like that. He could win a belt that way. That could always happen. But Dana White's always saying that ain't going to happen. But he says a lot of things aren't going to happen, and they happen. I thought you were going to suggest, as you were connecting the dots, Colby to WWE. We saw a former welterweight, Matt Riddle, go over there and do pretty damn well. That that's always I think that's always his contingency plan is to do something like that. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Dan. Any thoughts on the follow ups or anything, or are you ready to move on, brother? I just I like Goza's little add on there. I didn't think about that, but that actually makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. All right, 
we move on to topic number three and folks again this is a weekly show every monday check it out and what you can do so that you don't forget is hit that little bell and it'll tell you when we're on live not just for this but all the other content we produce and watch us show off on fight week we're going to be flexing so hit the like subscribe to the channel because i'm telling you this is quality content here on the mma junkie radio youtube and uh we move on to sticking with the 170 pound division this event is stacked as nine welterweights will weigh in on friday and eight of them will compete on saturday this includes five of the top 10 and seven of the top 15 from the usa today sports mma junkie rankings the question is which welterweight has the best chance of staking a claim to a title shot now on paper Bilal muhammad should be next we got it right but the ufc's not shy about ufcing from time to time and throwing a curveball at us so dan what do you think man who has a chance to stake a claim ruin the party however you want to phrase it knowing full you know full disclosure obviously we we know that Bilal muhammad is now the uh alternate so that's yet another box that he ticks fada great interview there landing that for mma junkie uh check it out folks it's fresh on the youtube page what to say about the youtube page right but dan what do you think man can someone spoil the party you know someone can all spoil the party obviously you you set it up beautifully at the top george and i don't think anybody disagrees that Bilal is is numero uno uh definitely by my standings that are unofficial and don't count but if you're asking me who could steal it because we know how this game works uh you know it, it's really volatile you know the bosses can make whatever decisions they can make injuries can happen the schedule is king and uh, i think a guy who doesn't complain kind of shows up uh you know keeps quiet seems like a workhorse which you know i'm not saying is the right way to go about it i'm not saying that is who he is but from an outsider's perspective i think the ufc likes somebody that you know uh you know that they can you know maybe you know just you know put put in places and and not have to kind of set it and forget it. And I think Shavkat Rachmanov is that guy. He doesn't speak much as far as the marketability goes, but thanks to the Habib craze, uh, you know, a, anybody with a with a, with with any kind of like uh, animal skin or, or something looking on their on their head, you know, the American, the North American <laughs> fans go crazy for. So you know that language barrier is broken. And then technical nerds like myself know that Shavkat Rachmanov is the real deal. So it's not a hard sell there if someone had to swoop in and steal. Got it. All right, man. It is 16 and 0 with 16 finishes. And I think it goes eight and eight, too, man. This guy knows how to spread the love when he whoops your ass. Fada, what do you think? Who can stay claim here aside from Bilal Muhammad, who's in that pole position? Yeah, Bilal is the rightful number one contender, in my opinion. But I'm going to give an unpopular opinion to, as to who could potentially steal it. And I think that's Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Why? I do think if uh, Leon Edwards retains especially uh, because Stephen Thompson has the name as a former title challenger and Leon was talking about in a recent interview that he he doesn't feel like anybody stands out or excites him. Wonderboy is always going to give you an entertaining fight and he's going to stand and trade with Leon Edwards. He's not going to try to take him down and, and, and grapple him. It could actually be the opposite, but Stephen Thompson is going to stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with him. It's an exciting stylistic matchup and he's got the name, like I said, former uh, title challenger. I don't know how many people are going to be chomping at the bit to fight Shafkat. He doesn't seem like the type of person that everyone's going to put up their hand and be like, yeah, I want my first title defense against him if he does get past <laughs> Wonderboy. But uh, Wonderboy, there are the perks of him having the name former title challenger, and I wouldn't be surprised. Yes, uh, I know the argument is going to come in and he's going to be two of uh, two if he does get past um, Shafkat because he's lost to Gilbert Burns and Bilal Muhammad. I'm just saying curveball-wise, uh, it wouldn't be totally crazy for me just because of who Stephen Thompson is and how he's been a perennial contender for such a long time. Yeah, he's a big name for sure. And that Kevin Holland fight, man, that was a great fight. I know Thompson gets a lot of criticism that sometimes his fights are strategic or there's a little bit less engagement or whatever, but he's also had some barn burners. Well, what do you think, Goes? You get the final say here. Well, I mean, I agree with my colleagues in the sense that if Bilal doesn't get it, it's borderline criminal, right? Red card all the way. The guys are in the spot. But if you're going to do some of this madness, um, I think the UFC, when they do these types of things, you know, I like Shavkat. I think that's good, too. Stephen Thompson as well. I think he, I don't know if he's still officially out of the doghouse, so I don't know about him. But I think if you're going to do something like this that doesn't make sense, 
then you have to go all in on something crazy. And to me, all in on something crazy in the UFC world would be a guy like Ian Gary. I think somebody like that, that just probably, if he were to get a first round finish here, knock out his opponent, pick up the mic and say crazy things, I could see the UFC kind of jumping on that train and doing something crazy because that's where we would be at, guys, if Bilal Muhammad doesn't get the shot at this point. Those are the types of things that the UFC does. So if I had to put... Uh, if I had to get behind someone, I think they would probably try and do something like that. Sell us on that. Yeah, I could see it. Undefeated, good-looking guy. Mired in controversy. Wait till the press conference this week. I mean, it's all over the place, but he does go out there, and he has been finishing. He's cringy, but he does talk some some smack, but he's also Irish, and I wonder if him and Connor could be a huge international fight week one-two punch. You know the UFC loves it. When those overseas fans come over and take over the strip, and I don't think Ian Gary has one problem, even though he's undefeated and all that, playing second fiddle. That's his hero, man, like Conor McGregor. So I'm thinking outside the box, things like that, but I agree with all of you guys. It has to be stated. What's happened to Bilal Muhammad has been pretty criminal up until this point for him not to have already fought for a title. Poor guy never wanted to be an alternate, but yet again, and I mentioned this 10 minutes ago, he had an interview with Farah Hanoun yesterday. Uh, in which he said he is the alternate last minute too man they brought this this guy in but testament mm -hmm. to him being in shape and being ready to go and i got a follow-up for you guys so remember i said nine are gonna weigh in and so that's what i meant was Bilal will weigh in eight of them are gonna fight and this is a really really heavy on welterweight type of fight card right the the if you're wondering who the other ones are randy brown and muslim salikov are also on the card so does doing this carry more cons than pros? Because it's obvious you're on the same timeline as the champ. The spotlight is on 170. The dais is flipping out because of all the possible matchups. But am I missing something? Would you guys like to see more of that? Girls, let's go to you first on this one. Yeah, I kind of like it um, pretty much for those those same reasons. I think business-wise, it's probably good, right? Because if somebody gets hurt or whatever, you can kind of pair things up a little bit. Uh, so overall i think it, it might have more pros than cons i'm still kind of tripping out at what you said about gary and mcgregor because i thought a meatball and uh and and Pimblet, uh, you know like mm. that that does make places go loud but but yeah back to this um i think there's more good than bad especially like the press conferences and just being able to have something in common with the, the people behind you and the smack talk just kind of goes back and forth we've seen that before so uh, I'm not heavy on one or the other, but I, I do see the benefits there. Mm -hmm. All right. How about you, Dan, Tom? Do you like it when it's like this? So you can just concentrate on one division when you're doing all your breakdowns? Or does something get lost maybe in the shuffle that I'm missing out on here? Uh, I'd say that, you know, between the UFC's consistency and success, I don't like it. They're inconsistent with it to the fact that you got to reach all the way back to, like, they did the all-heavyweight card, which they are geniuses enough to do that at elevation, um, and then they went through that phase where like it was, I don't know if it was middleweight or light heavyweight because these guys go back and forth, but like that UFC on Fox 2 or Fox 3 card, that was a bust and that was supposed to be, and really was, the Fox era was amazing, but you look at their one dud card, which was their follow-up, right? And what did they have like Sonnen and Phil Davis or Evans and Phil Davis? It was like, you know, M Machida, Dan Henderson. It was like the most terrible matchmaking for a period there. And it felt like they, to, to, to this question's point, they were almost trying to do these unofficial tournaments, you know? And those cards often ended up the worst or or the very few times where it did end up good, where they had, uh, what was it, uh, the underrated fight that Shogun has with Brandon Vera on the Fox card the same night that Machida knocks out Ryan Bader. Remember, that was a tournament for who's next. Good and that all went to the wayside. It was all for nothing. So the UFC doesn't do it consistently, consistency enough, uh, consistently enough. They don't want to be a part of tournaments. They've made that clear. So if they're not going to go part of their tournaments, well, we've got these beautiful rankings, but they don't go by those either. What are we even doing here? I'll just be happy to get a a, a good matchup, you know, in this, uh, you know, a, a post-pandemic uh, slave to the ESPN schedule era. I'll just be happy with one good matchup. <laughs> All right, Fada, what do you think? You like it when it's like this? I mean, I'm sure when you do your interviews, it's kind of easy to pivot, you know, and have them chime in on other matchups on the same card. I think there's more pros, right, than cons? 
it's fun, but I will say it's probably a con to someone like Bilal because we were talking about who could steal it from him. Well, they've got mm. them all stacked up Ooh. in one night on a massive card at the end of the year, and it probably sucks for him more than anything because timeline-wise, it's going to be right when the champion's probably going to turn around because they're uh, on the same card. So probably for him, because there is a rightful number one contender, it kind of sucks for Bilal more than, than anyone. If the waters were muddy, then it would be great because then we're – we would be like, all right, who's going to come out? But the fact that we kind of have a rightful number one contender, it, it sucks for Bilal more than anyone. Yeah. Dan? And I'll, I'll add in with MMA being the cruel B that it is, how how perfect would it be for Leon Edwards and, and Colby Covington to go to a draw? <laughs> <laughs> if, that, if that happens, goes, you wearing a mustache again? No, no. My mustache days are over, bro. That, that was very difficult. Mm-hmm. I'll shave my head if it goes to a, a draw. How about that? Okay. Not oh, no. we, we got we got our jokes there, right? No one, no one's looking at me and going, "Hey, is that Sam Malone from Cheers?" But anyway, uh, Pritam Ghosh in the chat, the Facebook chat, you can hang with us via Facebook every Monday noon Eastern, nine a.m. Pacific. Shout out to you, Derek Horton. Ooh, we'll try and pick pick up our game. You really got us there, pal. Um, but let's move on. Number four, Tony Ferguson versus Patty Pimlet is right with storylines. Some good, some bad, right? Will Ferguson tie BJ Penn? For most consecutive losses with seven, would that be the end of Tony Ferguson in the UFC if he lost? Is this a lose-lose for Pimlet no matter what happens because of where Tony's at? Guys, I want to know. We're going to start off with Bada. What are you thinking? I mean, this matchup kind of caught us out of nowhere, right? Out of left field. But yet we all kind of got pumped up for different reasons. What are your reasons, Bada? Yeah, no, look, it's a fun fight, undoubtedly. And I know Patty Pimba is getting a ton of hate because of his last fight with Jared Gordon. A lot of people felt like Jared won. They didn't like the way he handled uh, the win, which they felt like should have been a loss. But at the end of the day, he fought his butt off. And we can't deny that. It's the three judges who score the fight at the end of the day, not him. Uh, so I think he's getting a lot of uh, unfair criticism. Yes, you know, I, I did think Gordon won the fight, but I just think people have been a little too hard on Patty Pimba. To see the love he was getting, uh, I was there in London when he fought, and then to see how it is right now is pretty crazy to see how people have turned on him. But, uh, you know, he gets to fight a, a fan favorite, which, you know, I'm seeing a lot of chatter online and people saying, you know, they want Ferguson to win, they're rooting for Ferguson. So, it's kind of an unfortunate situation for Patty, and I do agree with him when he says it's a lose-lose situation because Tony's on this uh, massive losing streak, and and people think on paper he should win. People are rooting for Tony Ferguson. People love Tony Ferguson. Listen, if you look at numbers uh, on interviews, countdowns, whatnot, his his numbers always do great. So people still love Tony Ferguson. They want to see him do well. I think the best case scenario is if we see a good version of, of Tony Ferguson, a good fight, because I think stylistically it's a pretty wild fight because Patty does come to scrap. So does Tony Ferguson. So uh, Patty can grapple, Tony can grapple. So it's going to be a fun fight. I'm all in for the fight, but I do think it's kind of a lose-lose for Patty because if he does beat Tony, everyone's going to be like, you should have beaten him. If he loses to Tony, then, you know, because at the end of the day, Patty, like him or not, he is one of the most popular fighters on the roster. And to keep that popularity, you have to keep winning. Now, we saw McGregor rise. He, the guy became double champion. It doesn't matter what he does from now on. We see a lot of fighters that have reached the, the, the pinnacle, then maybe lose. Patty hasn't reached that pinnacle yet. So for him to lose now is going to be a big hit on his uh, kind of star power. So I do think it's a big lose-lose for him. I co-sign Fada. Ferguson is popular way more popular than i thought man when i've gone to press conferences or just seen him out and about i mean this dude really really has loyal fans i hope he has a great fight i hope him and patty have an awesome fight like i say i never expected this matchup and when it got made i got really really pumped i think we're gonna see a really really good one all right next up here is goes man what were you thinking when it was made goes and what pumps you up the most about this matchup the veteran who's done it for a long time the other guy who's trying to get his respect what say you? Yeah, I think these are the perfect types of matchups. Um, I'm, it, it's hard for me to say lose-lose because I, I do feel like there are maybe one or two scenarios that, that can benefit Patty. Um, but if we, we run through them, I mean, let's say Patty KOs him, right? Uh, and he does it early. Then people are going to say, hey, Tony's just way past his prime. He, he needed to go. This is an incredible win. If Patty wins a dominant fight, I think people will be saying kind of the same thing. You know, he, he shouldn't have been in there in the first place. But if the Tony Ferguson that fought Bobby Green shows up and they have a pretty decent fight, then I think that 
I, I think that might help Patty a little bit, but you need to, if you're Patty Pimblett, see the problem, I think why people get upset with him is I don't think that he's trying to convince you that he's a good fighter. He's trying to convince you that he's a great fighter, that he's the future. And so in order to do that, you have to face very high level talent and you have to mop the floor with him, right? That's the part where I think it's lose-lose. He kind of puts himself in that same, uh, in that scenario himself. So I think what he needs to do is just get this victory, stay active, call, have that next name ready and call that name out. And that next name better be better than Tony Ferguson. It's got to be, right? You At this point, when you have this type of matchup, you can't go backwards. You have to go forward. It's got to be a guy even better than him. And I think that's when we can start taking Patty Pimblett a little bit more serious going forward, if he can do all those things. But I think overall, the fight will be fun for however long it lasts. But I think what will be more fun is if Patty joins the bet with George and he shaves his head. Then I think we will root for a draw all day. <laughs> all right, Dan, Tom, what do you think, man? This matchup, were you expecting it when you heard it? And have you had fun digging in? I know a lot of the hard work is this week, but you've probably been looking at you know uh, some of your uh, stats and data. What do you think, man? I still haven't gotten to this matchup yet. I'm still uh, I'm, I'm working on a, an evergreen list. I got the uh, main event and co-main event videos. Uh, I usually don't get to the rest of the card till like maybe like Tuesday or Wednesday. Wednesday usually at the earliest. Um, I, I was surprised at this matchup. I do think I will say I think it's a lose lose. Uh, I think it's a win win actually. I won't say it's a lose lose. I think it's a win win. Um, I don't think Patty takes any you know any uh, you know really any any marks off for a loss he already is getting his biggest fight in his career right now off of a loss he already lost to jared gordon anybody with two eyes uh and understands striking and understands the game goes but yes uh that that was a terrible terrible scorecard of course i was on the opposite side of that one too um but that aside you know i i do think that you know i, I don't know man i i don't see the hate for patty pimblett and i do see the love for tony but it, it 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 almost upsets me because again, just to finish my win win point, that if he does win, again, it's it's a setup for it. It's more the popularity. It's more Patty is marketable. Like you know, us fans or pundits can have our opinions on him or whatever. Like that doesn't change the fact that the guy, you know, it, it, it has the UFC machine behind him. And you know, we've seen this tested. You know, uh, speaking of McGregor, he gets compared to McGregor. You know. They're both marketable. They both make anti-immigrant statements. It's great, you know, I guess, apparently. I don't know. Obviously, that's not great, but it proves my point that it almost doesn't matter what these people do, right? They can do things in the negative column and still get promoted. It's kind of just how this game works, sadly. And it's also sad that, you know, BJ Penn is mentioned in this conversation because, you know, speaking to Tony Ferguson fans, like, it's great to see. Yeah, I, I get reminded of that, but I'm also upset as a Tony Ferguson fan because where the F were you people? Where were you people, huh? When I was taking shells for even dare mentioning to compare him with Khabib when Tony was in fact, if we rewind back to like 2016, 2017, the uncrowned champion of the division. I know Khabib obviously surpassed him with Tony taking losses and Khabib obviously coming back to take the title. But if you go to that 2017 or 2016-ish area, you know, when he beats Kevin Lee uh, at UFC 216, like the one of the most impressive winning streak, lightweight winning streaks ever. Tony Ferguson, he was my number one, just edging out Khabib. And people are like, how could he do that? If you compare that stretch, he did. For one, his fights were actually at lightweight because he and DJ Penn never missed weight, whereas Khabib missed weight, fought catchweights, and arguably lost to guys like Gleason Tebow, who, in the comparative streak that I'm talking about, Tony finished, as well as guys like Abel Trujillo, finished him much more convincingly than Khabib did. But people forget about that. And even the, the Tony fans that are here now, where the F were you people, huh? Where were you when he needed you? Where were you when, well, you know, where were you tweeting at Dana White when he needed the popularity push? But nope, he gets thrown to the wayside like some of my, many favorite fighters like BJ Penn did. So now you just see the down end of his career and you really don't see how great he was. It, it, it really, it really, it really, it really pisses me off. I see and hear the passion, Dan. And yeah, man, that 12 fight win streak was something else. Those are mm -hmm. tough to come by. Those are those are legendary runs, man. So I, I like I like you coming and saying some nice words because uh, too many people are focusing on the run that he's on now versus the run that he was on. But I really am excited about this matchup. And I'll tell you what, guys, if any fights fall off, boy, uh, Hunt and who is it? 
Skyrider in the chat. They're having a good political debate. It's like a CNN and a Fox guy from <laughs> Friendly Fire, if you want to check that out, <laughs> while we keep yapping over here, doing our thing like we do every Monday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. This is the Spinning Back Click. We discuss a lot of the big stories in MMA. We got a few more to get to, so let's get to them and keep them coming in the chat. Of course, again, insightful, respectful meaningful i'll include them i will save some time to get a couple of those in there fada i thought i saw you wanting to jump in before ghost spoke did you want to say one last thing before we move on yeah well i'm going to change that a bit because i'm just going to read one of the comments here from brian sure. john saying anyone saying that this is a lose-lose situation doesn't understand the business of fighting no i understand the matchup and and that's why it's on a pay-per-view card like that but i'm just saying it's not necessarily my opinion it's more like the fans opinion because it it goes to what Dan Tom is saying about the kind of the disrespect that Tony Ferguson is getting. So if Patty does beat him and does finish him, or is he going to get that respect? I don't think so because people are just going to point to Tony Ferguson's losing streak and be like, Tony's done. Tony should retire and not give Patty that respect. So that's what I'm getting at with, with that point saying that it's a lose lose for Patty Pimblett because I'm not, I don't see it. Uh, I might could be wrong. The reaction could be different if Patty gets his hand raised, but let's see basically. Right on. All right. Uh, shout out to Mathieu Natel in the chat. Likes the work that we do every week. And Sky Vizen co-signs with him. So thank you both for the uh, friendly comments there. I did want to ask you guys a quick one here. And I'm, it's not to ruffle feathers or anything. But, you know, we got pretty excited here about Ferguson and Patty. Both very popular fighters, different reasons or whatever. But who's the A-side? Who wants this one? Ooh. The A-side in this fight. I think a lot of people going into it probably would have said Patty, but I can't remember who said if it was Dan or, or Farah or maybe George. You guys are right. Like when it's go time, when Tony Ferguson's walking out, the crowd goes absolutely bananas. People show up because they want to see that guy fight. People love to see him fight, win, lose, or draw. So I think when you take that into consideration, maybe a little bit of the layoff on Patty, I think maybe Tony might be the A side at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Scott Christian says Tony all day. Sky Vizen says Tony all day. What do you think, Dan? Who's the A side in this fight? Uh, I would say Patty Pimble, but you guys bring up a great point, and I think the walkout might determine it, right? Because we have Tony Ferguson, like you, you brought up, he gets the crowd reaction. But what about Patty Pimble? Even when he's not walking out in the UK, it just feels like he is like the. Uh, you know the head, uh, the head queen coming out for the, the the dance show. You know at the end of the, you know at a certain type of club, he's just coming out. People have their hands on him, like it is. And I, I mean in the most positive way. It's, it's one of the most, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, flamboyantly fan friendly uh, walkouts that we have. So it'll be real interesting to see who gets the warmer welcome. All right, Farah, how about you? Who do you think's the A side here? Yeah, well, I was gonna say the walkouts are. I'm probably as equally excited about the walkouts as the fight itself because both of them have two of the best walkouts. The party has just begun. That Tony Ferguson comes out too, and I can't remember the name of Patty's, but it's like a party, like Dan said. Um, but I am gonna say, based off of the heat that Patty has received lately, and the fact that he happens to be fighting a fan favorite, I'd probably say Tony is the A side, just because I feel like Patty's gonna get some booze. Um, but again, it's crazy to me the way people have turned on him because I've London's different, I guess, because we're in the UK, he's from Liverpool, but, um, it's just crazy to see how much they've turned on him. And because Tony's such a massive fan favorite, I get the feel that maybe Patty will get some booze. I hope I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. Who's, who's right. going to walk out first? Do you guys know? <laughs> I that think that should Patty. answer the A. Yeah, that should that answer the, the answer. A side, B side question, right? I think go. Tony, no? I think Tony walks out first. I, I don't know. be wrong. Yeah, I think don't sure. make Patty walk out first. I, I think that's the answer to the question, to be honest. Sorry, that's that's what I meant. I think uh, Tony walks out last is, is what I was mm -hmm. trying to say. By the way, anybody in the chat know what Patty Pimblett walks out to? Because it's it's like a heavy like dance music, like a yeah. quote, you know, it reminds me of the, the Goodwill Hunting Matt Damon line where he's like, you know, you just you hear the music, you just start dancing like ba 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 ba. Like <laughs> that's what I think of every time Patty Pimblett walks out. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I, yes, I yes, don't Pimblet. know, but they both have really, really great walkouts. <laughs> Bob in the chat says Tony mops the floor with Patty's head. Kit Kat Feline says Scousers don't get knocked out. You must not have seen when they played when Liverpool played Real Madrid in the uh, final a few years ago, Champions League. Yeah, I said it. Uh, anyway, <laughs> all right, we're gonna move on here. Is the flyweight fight between Alexander Pantoja and Brandon Royal flying under the radar? 
or is it getting the appropriate lack of recognition? I know a lot of tricky words in there. So let me break it down like this. Pantoja has got the least amount of social media followers of any current UFC champion. You know, the UFC is kind of big on that stuff, right? It's also a rematch of a fight we already saw not too long ago, and it had a decisive finish. So is the shortage of attention, guys, fair or foul? Goes, you lead off. <laughs> Sorry, I can't stop. He called you a rat eater. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, okay. Um, yeah, look, okay, I, I understand why the why people are looking at this fight this way. And I, I think the reason is maybe a lot of people don't feel like the top two flyweights are facing each other. Um, you can't keep throwing Brandon Moreno at the problem, right? Like, that just can't happen. You have to put in some fresh air. Let us breathe something new. Um, but you look at Brandon Royville and you say, okay, well, he has a loss to Pantoja. He has a loss to Moreno. But I think you're missing the point if you're looking at it that way because a guy like Brandon Royville has been constantly improving. I think that kid is really good, and I don't even think he's come close to hitting his peak. Now, on the flip side, Pantoja is the same way. I think he's improved tremendously, and I feel like he's still getting better. So I think we are sleeping on this fight a little bit. I think once they get out there, I mean, come on, man, the flyweight division, these guys deliver. I think this is going to be a really, really fun matchup, And uh, but I do kind of understand why it's going that way. Mm -hmm. Next up is Dan. Is the shortage of attention fair or foul? What do you think, Dan? Man, Pantoja, underrated Brazilians, fighters who take the long road in general, flyweights. Oh, you guys know my answer here. Of course they're being disrespected. Disrespect. I mean, craziness, craziness. Pantoja, most of all, the guy having to, 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 to do Uber Eats to feed his family while getting a title shot. But one of the most experienced OGs who took the long road there and gave us entertaining fights, win or lose, every step of the way, gives us yet another one that people were counting out him out on despite him beating the person twice. They're doing it again with someone else he already beat, although that fight Royville was doing really well in. Great point. Royville can make improvements. But the but what is actually proven is that Pantoja is a proven amazing fighter. He's given us a fight of the year already, my fight of the year easily, top five flyweight fights of all time, then gives us an emotional, all the vulnerability, all the emotion, all the sadness and feel good in that post fight. I mean, Pantoja moment fighter, person of the year, flyweights getting no respect. And even the Royville side, I, I'm like, oh, I, I probably I got to turn down dinner plans tonight because I realized that I don't have a Brandon Royville profile. How do I not have a Brandon Royville profile? He's amazing. I'm a fan of him. He's fighting for a title. I at least got to have a main card summary, right? No, 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 no. Because they buried him on the prelims, and not just him, the entire division. We've actually had a quite good run of cards lately, right, guys? Whether it's fight nights, uh, where the UFC actually has to try and put it in front of people, or pay-per-views. I want you to look at the divisions that's going on there. And you can accuse me of the 185 and above hate, but if you notice, it's below 185 is the reason why they're great uh, fights, and they're usually below 155 to get even better. And unfortunately, those are the weight classes, especially like Bantamweight, Flyweight, that are the most disrespected. And we see it in the women's divisions too. It's the same thing where they get buried on the prelims until it's time for a title shot. It is the most disrespect on all levels, and it will not stand, man. It will not stand. I don't care how stacked this card is. That's the fight I'm looking forward to the most. Co-main event, baby. I love it. All right. Flyweights getting some love from Dan Tom. By the way, can I throw some love out there? Tyra, man, the Japanese fighter is a beast. And I know we're, we kind of didn't focus much on the fight night that just took place, but shout out to him. Um, what do you think, Bada? Are we being fair or foul with the lack of recognition, the lack of attention? We talked welterweights for the first 45 minutes. Uh, is it on us as well? No, I mean, I get it because at the end of the day, the score is absolutely stacked and it's absolutely stacked with some of the biggest and most biggest names and most popular fighters. But it's kind of like the whole you can't have it all type of thing. I mean, Brandon Royval was upset about being on the prelims, rightfully so. He gets to be on a pay-per-view main card, one of the best of the year, co-main event. So it, it's kind of like it. the fight is buried, but at the same time, you're going to have a ton of eyes because look at the fights in between after it's the main event and then before all those big popular names right before him. So there's going to be a lot of eyes on uh, their fight. He did lose to Pantoja in 2021 recently, but he's coming off of back-to-back first-round finishes. He's worked his way back up to a title fight. And uh, or to his first title shot, sorry. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, there's going to be a lot of eyes on the fight. It is 
being buried a little bit, I get it. I mean, I, I'm not the least bit surprised because of the big names on this card. But at the end of the day, there's going to be a lot of eyes on Brandon Royville, and that's exactly what he wanted. By the way, did it bother anyone that Brandon Marino's the backup fighter? We have two excellent backup fighters in Bilal Muhammad and Brandon Marino. They're the standbys this weekend. If you didn't know, and by the way, you should know because you're obviously here. That means you're a fan of MMA Junkie. Excellent website. Busting stories out every 30 minutes or less. Follow us. All right. But what would you guys think of that whole Brandon Marino thing? That, that one caught me a little off guard. I just thought maybe, you know, I almost thought he's too good for that spot. He'd just await the next guy uh when the time is appropriate rather than kind of be the step in anyone bueller i'll just say i feel like (laughs) to me it feels like a more of a manager thing man like uh fighters are like uh i think they're getting smart it's like it's 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 an extra paycheck and if you want to you know again what i said in the last spinning back like if you want to give ufc any consistency points uh as far as like setting examples they are usually tend to treat the people who who step up for them in that spot they tend to treat them pretty well I think this is the wrong time to be that guy or to have any trust in that guy. Um, around the holidays, I think this is why fighters try and avoid getting a fight in this time because they want to go crazy and have fun. So I don't know how serious these guys are taking it being in this position, but I hope they are because they're big opportunities. By the way, Kamikaze came to the rescue, guys. Patty Pimlet walks out to Lethal Industry by Tiesto and heads will roll by yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, in the chat, we got that response as well. We had already moved on, so that's why I didn't mention it, but I guess I'll give a shout. I think it was Hunt in the chat room. Um, I think he's got a brother named Mike, by the way. But anyway, uh, Brian John in the chat says, appropriate media attention being given. If there wasn't a belt on the line, it would be the co-main event. Fada, I know you didn't get a, a chance to weigh in, so I'll give you that question. Is that fair? Because, man, flyweight fights don't suck, that's for sure. Yeah, I get what he's saying, though. Um, I'm not like, I know, don't kill me, Danton, but like, I, I get what he's saying. Like, <laughs> I mean, they buried Royval on the prelims uh, last couple of times. So that, not that I agreed with it. But um, yeah, I mean, the flyweight title does have a big reason why this has such high billing, rightfully so. I'm not saying it shouldn't. I'm just saying I get where Brian's coming from. Yeah. I think I think it has a chance to be the fight of the night, honestly, man. Pantoja's fights are all over the place. He used to be a strict, well, not maybe not strict jujitsu, but heavy jujitsu, but he's really rounded out his striking game. Uh, shout out to the Brazilians who didn't just say, I got a black belt in jiu-jitsu, I'll pull guard. RDA, great, great striking game he developed. Verdum, great, great striking game uh, he developed. Became champ. Pantoja, you put in the work and round out your game. Get some wrestling, get some striking. You know, it's a great base to have, but but so many Brazilian jiu-jitsu guys over the years just would only focus on that and didn't round out the game. But these three, we got to give them their their shout-outs. All right, we have a, a time for some additionals here. And I'm also going to keep on the ch- keep an eye on the chat, guys. And if you see a good one, you want to chime in, uh, just answer it as I throw it to you. The state of California sanctioned bare-knuckle fighting championship and power slap this past week. Do you give it two fist bumps, one fist bump, and obviously tell us who, right? Or the finger? No, not what Tom Aspinall said. I'm talking about Dikembe Mutombo. None of them. None of them. Dan, what do you think? I gotta give the uh, I gotta give the uh, finger, the Mutombo finger. We got. I like I like the you know me. I appreciate the '90s reference and the '90s basketball reference. So A plus for my guy George there. But yeah, I think that's a great reference. I gotta go the Mutombo finger. I don't want to, you know, uh, get get on my high horse or anything like that because that's not where it's coming from, folks. Um, it's just it's just not really my cup of tea. I know I'm a violence guy. I cover the sport, you know, temper critical. You can't be too violent. You cover MMA or whatever. I I don't know. There's different flavors of ice cream, folks. We'll put it that way. And you don't have to like every flavor. These aren't my flavors. Mm-hmm. Joseph Boza in the chat says one fist bump. Sky Rider says BKFC is legit. Power slap is lame. All right. Fada, two fist bumps, one or Matumbo? I think Matumbo. I, I I don't know. Both of them are not really my cup of tea, although I will give uh, credit to BKFC in terms of the matchmaking. It's been very exciting. It's been amazing for Mike Perry's career. I mean, look at him now. Oh, yeah. uh, and just the, the matchmaking has been really cool. We're seeing some of our uh, favorite kind of legends throw down kind of fights that we probably would have wanted to see in MMA that were never really possible because of weight classes and or or timing or whatnot, but Alvarez and Chad Mendez, Alvarez and Mike Perry, 
uh, Mike Perry and, and MVP or, or Luke Rockwell was super random, but they're fun at the end of the day. So not my cup of tea, but I laud uh, BKFC for the matchmaking. Mm -hmm. All right. How about you guys? Dos, uno. Zero. BKFC, uno. Uh, power slap, <clears throat> not in my house. Isn't that what he said in the commercial? No. Like that. Yeah. Look, guys, Dan, George, we were at the commission meetings, right? Dan, I think, lived there. He was there for like 10 days straight. All they talked about, there was just constant things about brain trauma, what's healthy in a fight, what should be happening, what should be not. I felt like everybody was soaking that in. So then to hear that they go back and they say, hey, this sounds pretty good. Guys just slapping each other. Not, I mean, it's all basically determined on a, a coin flip. It's like it just went in one year and out the other. I'm not saying that BKFC isn't violent. It can be violent. But at least you have a shot there. Um, none of that, that move kind of didn't make sense to me. So yeah, it caught me off guard a little bit. Mm -hmm. okay. I, yeah. I, I will. I, I, yeah, I'll definitely add on that. I mean, I, it, it is kind of disturbing that, you know, especially like one of the leader commissions, California, the Andy Foster, who garners a lot of respect uh, to see them kind of, you know, go on their words on this and you know it goes was there the day i was where they were talking about this and it just felt very hypocritical that nobody wanted to state the elephant in the room as you know we're governing sport is this even a sport in the first place let's let's even hold our opinions is this even a sport you know george used matumbo and why why is matumbo great he played a sport but well, what was he great at he was great at defense that doesn't even exist in, in slap fighting you don't even get defense right and I'm not going to go on a negative slap thing. So I'll end on a positive. And I will say, I'll give a fist bump to an, an option that's not on there. Is karate combat, baby. Um, they've been trying to do some fun matchups. Uh, maybe because I come from a traditional martial arts background, karate combat. If you're listening, uh, first degree Kempo karate black belt. Uh, trained over in, in China as well. Got a first degree uh, taekwondo black belt. Competed on nationals. I know I don't have a crazy social following or I'm not a fo former fighter. But if you're listening, you need somebody. I love what karate combat's doing. I want to give them a fist bump. You should go to Any the other show, promotions man. out there, by the way. Analysts Dan, right here. They're in Vegas, you know, obviously on Friday. Are you, are you, are you going to go to the show? Uh, you should you should try and go. I think I can get you in if you want to go, man. Yeah, let me know. I don't even know if I have uh, things to wear right now. Uh, things are kind of crazy here. But, yeah, I would love to. I would love to. That would be awesome. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, all right. We got time for that second additional. So this one's kind of coming out of nowhere here. But we got time. Uh, unless you come in with a crazy comment or question, I'll squeeze that in too. Joseph Baza says, I would watch Karate Combat more than Power Slap. So he's chiming in. I like it. Uh, Sky V's and Old Daddy says, yep, he's checking it out on Friday. Michael Salazar says, I think Shavcat will get a monster fight if he beats Wonder Boy, and it might be at UFC 300. Any thoughts from the group? Just give me a head nod. Yeah, guys? No? Shavcat at 300? What do you think? Mm, maybe. Mm, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. He's got his hands full still. But we shall see. Uh, thank you, Michael Salazar, for chiming in. And, and yes, it's Anthony Pettis versus Benson Henderson Friday here in Las Vegas. Uh, Joseph Boza chiming in. All right, so the last additional is real quick. Is there a fight you are looking forward to this weekend that will probably get lost in the welterweight tsunami that is UFC 296? Fada, it's a deep, deep roster of fighters and fights that they've put together. we got to tip our hats to the UFC. Uh, what do you think? One, the, the, what, do, what do you think? Is there one that's going to get lost in the shuffle that you are looking forward to? Probably Cody Garbrandt and Brian Kelleher, just because yeah. I feel like there's always a lot at stake for uh, Cody Garbrandt, and uh, he could always bring himself back uh, into relevancy when it comes to uh, top contention or whatnot. Just because when he wins, he usually does in spectacular fashion, and if Kelleher wins, it's probably going to be in the same way. So probably be fun while it lasts. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, how about goes? a fight that you're looking forward to this weekend that might've got lost in the shuffle. Dustin Jacoby and Alonzo Menafield. I feel like uh, <laughs> technique and power. One of them's got to give. And I, I think they both actually hit pretty damn hard. So I think that'd be a good one. They are going to throw down for sure. Dan Tom. I'm going to speed you three. The fight of the night, obviously could be a uh, Pantosia and stuff in the, in the co-main, but as far as the prelim goes, uh, Andre Feely and Lucas Almeida are the front runners for that, Ooh. but also on the prelims, Two 125-pound bouts, flyweights, both men and women's getting disrespected here. Uh, not really because it's a stack main card, but you know what I mean. Quietly important card for Casey O'Neill, a uh, matchup for Casey O'Neill and Lipsky uh, for both their trajectories, as well as Tajir Olenbekov versus Cody Durden, both on the prelims. Yeah, Brown and Salikoff, they're going to get things started too. You, you honestly just want to plant your butt 
down and watch from the first fight on. And by the way, speaking of watching fights this weekend, goes and I will be hosting a watch-along here on MMA Junkie. So check it out. We'll start at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for the prelims. Four of them are for free, right? And then they go to the pay-per-view. Some of you decide not to buy it. Watch along with us. We'll tell you what's happening in real time. And our colleague, Farah Hanoon, she'll be hosting a preview show, 5 Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. She usually jumps on with someone from the, uh, the cast and discusses the fights and gets you ready. And don't forget to check out Dan's Protect Your Net podcast if you're all about the money, right? He gives you the info, and uh, you, you go in basically with guns and, instead of a knife into the gunfight. Folks, every Monday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, check out Screen Backclick. We bring it here, biggest topics of the week, and discuss them, and we include you guys in the show. And don't forget to hit like and subscribe on the way out. All right, we'll see you all. Uh, next week, and some of you will see see you on Saturday at the Watch Long. Go out and be a champion. Take care.